This is the Happy Rant Sports Podcast, in which Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friend and partner in sports radio, Barnabas Piper. And uh, Pipe, we have uh, a very special guest in the studio today. Uh, what I've done, uh, because I'm committed to this program and I'm committed to great sports radio, uh, I have flown in um, a member of our fantasy football league. So... Uh, whenever I do a trade with someone in, in a fantasy league, I like to fly that person in just to kind of debrief it and talk about it and talk about our feelings and uh, kick the tires kick the tires on it a little yeah. bit. So I have in studio a boy named Sue from our fantasy league with whom I did a trade that we'll talk about in a minute. So this is the great Kyle McClellan. Uh, for those uh, listeners who are Taylor football fans from the late 80s and early 90s, they'll know yeah. uh, the household name that is Kyle McClellan, uh, legendary defensive lineman at Taylor University, current uh, pastor of a church in Nebraska. Kyle, welcome to the program. Say hello to Barnabas Piper. Thank you, Barnabas. Good to... Good to I, I don't, are we meeting? Is this... Does this constitute a meeting? I'm I think sure this constitutes well, a meeting. This is, definitely. This is how I this is how I met Ted for like a year and a half before I met Ted. So yeah, we'll yeah. call this a meeting. Absolutely, it it works. And so here's Barnabas. Here's my fanboy moment. Our family, because I am a pastor, actually read your book uh, over the dining room table for the course of about three months and worked through it, and it was very helpful. So thank you. Yeah, Kyle well, has uh, because the best pitch I've ever gotten for a book on this podcast. So thank you, dude. Seriously, the book is called "The Pastor's Kid." It's great. It's a, it's um, a fantastic book because Kyle is a pastor and a, and a great pastor. He has messed up two children, um, one of whom is a freshman <laughs> and a journalism major at Union University. So I feel like I. So now you get to mess up that child. I That's get fantastic. to further mess up the child. So like this poor girl goes from like living with one. <laughs> Crazy meathead weightlifter in uh, in Kyle McClellan, and then she gets to study under one for four years. So. She knows way more fart jokes than any eighteen year old young woman should know. Yeah, yeah, That's she's 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 actually way too cool and socially like adept to to really. Um, to be a journalism major, but uh, that's another topic for another time. We'll uh, we'll definitely get into that. But uh, Piper, as a member of our fantasy league, and I want to I want to kind of open this up with some fantasy talk, and then. Um, get into some Minnesota sports stuff because you went through another another hard night. Um, they, they seem to be uh, coming hot and heavy this, these these days. Dude, they really are. There's some hard days and hard nights for uh, for the Minnesota sports fan. But um, I want you to, as a member of our league and probably as the most experienced and senior like fantasy football player on the on the program this morning, I want you to break down the trade that took place between. Um, slippery when Alouette. That's my outfit, my my program, and uh, and a boy named Sue. All right. So can you can you list off the players for the listeners? Because if I try yeah. to do it, I'll probably curse, dude. So here's yeah, here's what happened, man. So um, I've I've got Julio Jones and Lamar Jackson in my building now. So they're they're in the Alouette uh, in the Alouette building. They're learning the offense. Um, and I shipped out Baker Mayfield. So I sent Baker Mayfield to a boy named Sue. I, I got Julio Jones, a uh, very elite receiver, and Lamar Jackson, who is uh, beloved by this program, Piper. He's a guy that you and I both 
um, really ride with in terms of his uh, his potential. So uh, that was the deal. I get uh, I get Julio and Lamar. He gets Baker. Your thoughts? All right. So uh, at first blush, this is an awful, awful, awful trade for the person who receives Baker Mayfield because because okay. <clears throat> quarterbacks all have approximately equal value because he's a rookie and rookie quarterbacks are uh, generally inconsistent and not trustworthy because he plays for the Browns and they are also uh, inconsistent and untrustworthy and because you got a top five receiver out of it um, and sort of a, you know, a a flyer on Jackson. So that's at first blush, anybody's going to look at this and go, that's, that's highway robbery and Ted robbed Kyle. So that's, that's, and that was my. I mean, That's one way to look I at talked, it. <laughs> I talked. I, I talked you into this, Ted, or not talked you into it, but I affirmed your choice. You were already ready to go. You didn't need a lot of persuasion, dude. Yeah. So let, let's tell the listeners about that dynamic, Piper. It's been a decade plus since I've played fantasy football, and as I've mentioned on the show before, I do hate it. Um, it ruins basically every weekend for me. Now that now that NFL football is on essentially every day of the week, it ruins most most days of the week. <laughs> And the weekend. Uh, but you're someone whose advice I lean on. So when I get these trade proposals, often I'll float you a text. And uh, I'll lean on your, your seniority in the, in the world of fantasy football. But this is one that I felt pretty good about right away. So I was, I was driving home from coaching real football at Lane College. And I start getting these frantic texts from Kyle McClellan. All right, from a boy named Sue. And he wants to get a deal done immediately. Um, you know, irregardless of the fact that I was, I was driving, I was coaching football. He's like, call me. He, he made a phone call. So he placed a call to, uh, the slippery when Alouette's facility, I did. um, it went, it went straight to my voicemail, but, um, I knew we had to get a deal done that evening. So, uh, I got home, we, we hammered out the deal and, uh, I, I have to tell you pipe, you know, Kyle being a diehard Browns fan, you know, part of. Part of my misery in fantasy football is like I wanted to give him the pleasure of having the guy who is going to be his uh, his real life team's quarterback of the future. Oh, you're, you're so generous! You're yeah. so generous yeah. to give him that opportunity. I wanted to give the rest of the league is so appreciative that you did that for him. Indeed, man. Indeed, you know, and I and I I, I felt that they would be so. Piper, I want to talk about like the personas of certain guys in our league. Can, can I can I can I give the flip side of the trade real quick? Oh because yeah, do give the upside for every, Kyle because he's any, depressed. Any right? listener who's who's hearing this right now, like all they're thinking is Kyle got robbed. Mm-hmm. So uh, while while that's com- completely and one hundred percent true, it's less true than you think because it's a keeper league mm-hmm. and it's an auction league, which means you keep the players at the value you paid for them in the auction. Plus, like a, a few dollars every year. So yeah. Julio Jones is probably like a fifty dollars receiver, which sure. means next year he'll be fifty five or whatever. Yeah, Baker was probably like a one or two dollar quarterback, which means next <clears throat> next year Kyle could have a legitimate starting quarterback for like six dollars. Yeah. yeah. So that that is the one thing about this trade that makes it. Um, well, that, that made me not veto it as the co-commissioner. I, I'm anti-vetoing trades because, you know, if people want to make dumb decisions, that's fine. But uh, this one I was... Dude, no, it was, and I... So, okay, it was here's hard the, to stomach. Uh, yeah. Here's the other piece of this you got to understand. My other quarterbacks at this point, and I know everybody who's not in a fantasy football league is saying, give me cancer now. No, they're is, not. Is they they love this stuff. This. They okay. love this. 
We, we, we also have to remember, Kyle, we, we, do this, we do this podcast for us. Listeners are along for the ride. Absolutely. Good. Good. There this we go. serves us. There we go. My other two quarterbacks were Case Keenum and Terod Taylor. Yeah. That's it. I didn't have anybody else. Not a lot of options there. Ted had like nine quarterbacks on his roster. So yeah. I, I initially I tried to go I I tried to lowball him, I'm not gonna lie. I tried to like throw an Austin Safirian Jenkins or somebody nobody had ever heard Dude, of. Dude, you you went you went with an all three names trade. I did. You went did. Marquez Valdez Scantling, Austin <laughs> Safarian Jenkins. I did enjoy the, like the elegance of of all the names in the trade. However, yeah, that's that's a I, lot of hyphens in one trade. I think between all three of the players that you put in the trade, they had a combined like four catches between them on the entire season. Well, so, so it was going to be a hard no on that. That's the interesting thing, and and pipe. So it's interesting to me that you're a co commissioner because this is this is good time to air a beef, man. I was just gonna. I was yeah yeah. Good. I cannot tell you how many trade requests I've got because I I had three offensive players in the top ten, and like eight, nine, and six maybe. And I traded I traded number six away, traded Julio away. Mm -hmm. But I would get these trade requests in which people would want they'd want one of my running backs who's who's a a top plays for the Chargers. Melvin Gordon. There we go. They'd want they'd want Melvin Gordon and uh, and Hopkins. Yeah. In return for four guys I had never even heard of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's and, that's called a spite offer because everyone is pissed that you traded Baker Mayfield. No, no, no. This was, this was prior to this. Dude, I feel like... Okay, Pipe. So I feel like the phenomenon that, that Kyle is describing um, is one that I've noticed in our league, too. And I feel like every morning I wake up to like three or four of these proposals. And they're Just usually from the, same, yeah. from the same two teams. They are. Yeah. And... Uh, I feel like these guys spend their day just like prospecting, and they're waiting for like a weak moment or a, a naive owner to uh, <laughs> a moment, a moment of uh, yeah, a moment of of weakness where you give in to temptation or something. Yeah, you give in to temptation, they, like your covenant like eyes. The, the trade, the trade. Seductress. Your stupid trade covenant eyes isn't working. So you know, I'll have to <laughs> I'll have to check in with my stupid trade covenant eyes partner. Stupid, stupid yeah. trade X for your watch, yeah. dude. Yeah, my guy. Like so, like Corey is gonna call me and be like, "Dude, I saw that you looked at Marquez Valdez Scantling for more than a couple minutes." I'll be like, "Yeah, dude, it was a tough day. I was under a lot of stress. You know, I was just kind of like self medicating K- with that." K- you know. KK's been out of town. KK's been out of town. She's been traveling for like a half. I was, I was just curious. I didn't know who Marquez Valdez Scantling was. I just, I just needed to know who it was, dude. Yeah, it was just curiosity. You know exactly. <laughs> I wasn't really going to do anything with him. I just needed to see him. Dude, yeah, I was just going to look for a minute. Yeah, but, just... um, yeah, so these trades come in, and it's like, these guys assume that we that we think quantity is better. So, like, four garbage players, like, if you add them all together, could add up to one, like, Julio Jones. Well, and the interesting thing is, a lot of these guys, when you look at their stats, or you look at their bio for the league, they've been doing this for a long time. And I think they look at our stuff, and they're like, okay, number one, meathead. So, yeah. therefore... Concussions, yeah, concussions. Between us, we've probably got like maybe nine. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know. they're both Taylor grads, and they just hand degrees out like candy. Exactly. I, I would also, I would like to congratulate both of you for passing my concussion protocol by remembering the players you traded. So <laughs> exactly, um, you, you're, 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 you're good to go on the podcast. Pipe, you can pass the protocol. You're good. You can't see our studio, but we're actually in a tent. We're in a little tent where like we're being evaluated as we do radio. So it's very private. Well, you, you, you passed my protocol. I feel good about this. Um, you know, podcaster safety is of 
of foremost importance. So Dude, absolutely, this things. is a progressive Let's show. And, so, and just yeah. be known, at no point was Ted ever driven forcibly into the ground. So yeah, nobody's was, been driven. Was, uh, I'm not on top of Kyle right now, which would be <laughs> Kyle's weird. body weight was <laughs> not, not really. I mean, I'm, I'm no not offense. Man. I'm not that kind of Presbyterian. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, exactly. So, Pipe, let me just say your your protocol thing. There's some wheat and elitism there that I I resent just a little bit. I'm Dude, we've got okay. Let me can I make can I make you feel well? That's definitely true. Um, I feel a little bit of like Taylor under. Dog syndrome. You got the little, like the little, the little brother thing going on here. I feel that a little bit, dude. Yeah, a little chip me, on our shoulder. You know, let me, a little let me chip on our North Face jackets. You know, <laughs> well, yes, but our Patagonia jackets are flawless. Dude, so, exactly. We're um, talking about like ultra affluent Midwestern white people versus like slightly less affluent Midwestern white people. So, I mean, it's really. Very, very small degrees of distinction at this point. Yeah, from the outside looking in, we're we're all ready to go hike Mount Everest in really expensive gear. Absolutely, but, prob- but probably eating keto and doing CrossFit. Eating instead. keto, doing CrossFit, driving our Lexuses out to Mount Everest. You know, yeah, yeah. We we buy Jeeps to not off road. Exactly. Um, so let me let me explain these guys' persona to you in a way that will make you feel much better about yourselves okay. and a little bit snide towards them, which I know is really the goal here. Absolutely. Have, have you ever gone on a beach vacation with your family and you see a strange person walking down the beach? Usually he's wearing like calf socks and loafers <laughs> and <clears throat> ill-fitting cargo shorts and like a Hawaiian shirt and then a big straw hat and he's carrying a metal detector. Yeah, subtext, this is how I relax. Yeah. This is, these trade offers are the metal detector of offers. They're just wondering what exists. You know, they don't really know this stretch of beach. They don't know what washed up in this league. Yeah. You, so... You're being you're being metal detected to see if you have any value. They are the one in the calf socks and the ill-fitting cargo shorts. Yeah. So just yeah. picture them that way, and uh, and you'll feel better about yourself. So I, it's not that they think you're dumb. Yeah. It's that they don't know who is dumb. Do you and know so exactly? They have to find I out. I do picture them that way, and I picture them in like a. A, like a Wheaton crew team hoodie. Not because they were on the crew team, but because like somebody left it in one of those lost and found boxes in the dorm and they just snagged it on the last day. I um, still own clothes that I got out of one of those boxes. So Dude, and those were incredible at Wheaton because of how oh, high yeah. end all the students were. Yeah. You know, you could It's funny that really you brought up North Face jackets earlier, because I have a friend who got a it was like a four hundred dollar North Face parka out of one of those at he because he was an RA and right. so he got to look at everything that was left at the end of the year. Yeah. And yeah, so he 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 would stock up his wardrobe with high end gear. Oh, dude, every yeah, spring. It's, it was it's amazing. Like, it's like going high end shopping at the Lost and Found at Wheaton, and yeah, these kids are like, I'm leaving campus. It's not it's not cold now. I don't need this stupid jacket, you know. Daddy will get me a new one. Daddy will get me a new one. You know, I've worn it four times. It's dead to me. You know, it's not cold where I'm going for spring break. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. We'll be at my beach house for the entire summer. I don't need. I don't need a uh, parka. Dude, you know what's so great about going to Wheaton and Taylor and and paying that exorbitant amount of money that you pay to do so is that it gets you though a lifetime worth of like mocking of of those places. And uh, man, you can't put a price tag on that. You know what I mean? But it's. It, it is. It's sort of like mocking family, though, because yeah. I hold. I mean, I think we both hold our respective alma maters in like high regard, and we loved our time there. And they're the butt of many, many jokes. Absolutely. So it's sort of the. It's like the best of all possible worlds, dude. It really is. So uh, a little, a little APB to all uh, other members of our league. Kyle and I are not going to do any of these stupid trades where you offer, no. you know. Four backup running we'll, backs. For, we'll do stupid trades with one another. We'll do stupid trades, but only with one right. another. That's the Taylor way, you know? <laughs> it yeah. is the Taylor way. There's a little clannishness going <laughs> a on. A little clannishness, right. for right. sure, for sure. 
Piper, let's stay in in football momentarily and just give an ever-so-brief Manziel Minute. So the Manziel Minute is something that uh, our Canadian listeners have come to know and love. Uh, I have covenanted with our our listenership to watch uh, every minute of Montreal Alouettes football this season and and follow the career of one uh, John Manziel. And um, I boy, he sounds he sounds like a he has great hot he has so much more potential when you say John Manziel than Johnny Johnny Manziel like he should be playing for the Montreal Alouettes John Manziel he might be like the sixth pick in next year's draft dude no you know what John Manziel is he's like the successful contractor in your small town you know like you drive by every other new build it's John Manziel construction. And you're driving he's got, by. He's got his going, name on. He's got his name on the benches at bus stops. Dude, yeah, John Manziel construction all over the place. And you're driving by, going, "Man, I bet it's raining money on that guy. I bet he's doing really well." You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, the real John Manziel, Johnny Manziel, is doing less well in that uh, he got the start last week for Montreal, and I'm happy to report, Piper, no turnovers, no interceptions. Uh, he actually played pretty well. He showed flashes of the old Manziel, but I have one. Um, sort of caveat to add to this, and that is, I think, and, and Kyle, have you watched any CFL this year? Have you watched any Montreal Alouettes? I have football? not watched the Alouettes, but I, I did by accident happen to, sort of like your your Covenant Eyes issue, I, yeah. I, I looked a little longer than I should have at a CFL game, okay. and um, I felt myself getting dumber. Uh, rather quickly, yeah. But it's See, okay. we didn't I need to do. We didn't need fine. to do that. But uh, are you are you sure that wasn't Monday Night Football and their terrible announcers making you? Oh dumber? my goodness! Oh, That's dude, we should get into that for a second. That's, but yeah, the, the I, one I think we did on the last sports episode, but we could do we, it again if we want. The one thing I want to add on the Manziel minute, I think, and I hate to, I hate to like bag on any any football player, especially a player that's playing at a higher level than I will ever get to, but. Um, I think the offensive line that he's playing behind in Montreal may be the worst professional offensive line I've ever seen. And and I was watching with my dad, who's a former offensive line coach at Taylor, where where Kyle and I played. And the linemen looked to me like a lot of our a lot of small college linemen, yeah. in that they were carrying a lot of weight. It wasn't good weight. They weren't mobile. They weren't especially strong. They were just kind of big sloppy guys. And and poor Manzel didn't have time to take one and a half breaths in the pocket before he was just overwhelmed by a pass rush. So I think, um, you know, typically... Can I ask cap- a question about why that is? I mean, maybe maybe that's not true across all the CFL. Maybe it's just yeah. that team. But well, I get the impression. So in the NFL, there's always a shortage of good offensive linemen. Every yeah. team struggles with depth. A good offensive line is one injury away from being a mediocre or a bad one. Yep. A team like the Vikings that starts off mediocre is one injury away from being, you know, eaten alive by Aaron Donald. Um, so is it just that everybody who's even like remotely adequate just gets signed to the NFL? Is that, is that the issue? Yeah, I have a couple theories on this, but Kyle, go ahead. Yeah, so I think there, there are, the initial thing is the offensive linemen, generally speaking, are always the biggins who aren't quite good enough athletes to to play play defensive line. Mm -hmm. So the guys that are, you know. Said as a former defensive lineman, of course. No, no, that's that's. I think it's just true no, across just the board. Thing. If right. if, if yeah. you have a if you have a big kid who can move, who's who's violent and aggressive and got got some twitch to him. Yeah, he ends up on the D line. Yeah, now you might take one of those kids and make him a left tackle because sure. you know you need one. Mm-hmm. But you're only going to take one. You're not going to take that kid and go. You know what? You'd make a great right guard because yeah. when we run counter, you're yeah. going to be 
Yeah. You're going to be money. No, you don't put that kid there. Yeah, exactly. No, that's a great point, Kyle. And the, and the other point I would make to that um, is that... So in, in Canada, they have this roster rule where you can only have so many internationals on your roster and only so many internationals on the field at the same time. So uh, what a lot of the CFL teams will try to do is make their offensive linemen Canadian players. So those players are coming from the Canadian college system, which... Again, no shade thrown up there, but I think I think it's just a numbers game and that they have fewer linemen uh, being developed than we have down here. And, and yeah, you end up with probably a lot of small college quality linemen who are playing CFL football in front of a yeah. bunch of really elite skill players. And uh, it, it's part of what makes the league interesting to me, honestly. I really enjoy watching it, but uh, I really I really felt for uh, I felt for John. Uh, the other night, as he was trying to get things done in the pocket with uh, with a rush right on top of him. So the other thing that doesn't help offensive linemen, I think, long term, is they can cheat, yeah, like nobody's business legally. I sure, mean, they sure. they hold to the point where it's like, do do you even have a soul? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I don't think they do. They're just resourceful, right? You know. And so again, so to get to generate any kind of pass rush. You've got to be, as we saw last night. You got to be. You have to be an Indomitian Sioux or Aaron Donald kind of freak as yeah, an athlete, yeah, to get anything done. Because if not, the guy just latches onto you, holds on for dear life, and yeah. that's, that's the end of it. Dude, I'm glad you mentioned last night. I want to use that as a bridge to Piper's Minnesota stuff. But before that, I want to make one more point about O line play based on last night. So, and really just based on what I see coaching at the small college level. So, last night's game is a great illustration of, of how. Really, everybody at every level is playing arena football now. I mean, with the exception of Todd Gurley getting, you know, 12 to 15 carries last night, there was no running game to speak of, none whatsoever for Minnesota. You know, you see quarterbacks throwing it 50 to 60 times a game. You see Dean Lineman really getting smaller, you know, and in the NFL, it's, it's gradations. So, you know, Aaron Donald at 290 is considered small. Um, but especially at the, at the small college level, most of your DNs are 230. Most of your D tackles are 240, 250. These are small, like one gap penetrating sort of guys, but yet your O linemen are still these huge, fat, sloppy dudes. And I think, Piper, if I were coaching in the CFL, my O linemen would be 260, 270 because no one's moving anybody off the ball anymore. Um, it's not like it was when Kyle and I played in the 90s where it was a real downhill kind of, you know, smash mouth sort of experience on the on the o-line and d-line I, I mean the game moves laterally um i think you're going to begin to see o-linemen getting smaller and especially in canada where there's a scarcity of mobile big guys i would love to see a team go to like 270 and smaller for their o-linemen and see how their performance changes um well, that, isn't, isn't that how i mean thinking back 15 20 years uh when when the broncos won their super bowls with yeah. um like Tom Nalen at center, was, he was, was like two sixty two seven. Offensive line coach, or their, I mean, they they, they did Kubiak this was their coordinator, I think. Okay, yeah. so yeah, they were they were uh, they had this you know the aggressive zone blocking scheme, a lot of chop blocking, but they, none of their guys were big. They were all, I mean, big for offensive line, but they were all small. Sure. Like Mark Schlereth was on that team, and he was yep. like two seventy, two eighty, and yep. all those guys were were like small, fast, mobile. They could pull. Yeah, and and they did it for the running game, but. So my, I guess my question is, if offensive linemen are the worst athletes, mm-hmm. and so you got a defensive end, so take Khalil Mack, who's yeah. just devouring offenses everywhere. He's like 250, yeah. 260, super yeah. fast. 
Yep. You put him against a 280-pound offensive tackle, mm-hmm. that's just that's 20 pounds he doesn't have to eat. Yeah, you know, so he just that's a guy he can he can just toss. Yeah, I so I guess the in in that in that the way it would go. The logic there though is that you would take your Aaron Donald type athlete that you would normally put on the defensive line at 270 or 280 and uh-huh. you would have him playing left tackle trying to block Khalil Mack and then you have athlete on athlete. Um because Khalil and, Mack as good as he is, yeah. um you know, he's by and large he's not ragdolling offensive linemen to get into the backfield. He's right. he's speed rushing them. Yeah. Um and same with Von Miller and and you know, really the elite pass rushers in the league now are smaller guys. And that that going from three hundred to to two eighty, that guy's losing table muscle. Yeah, that's right. right. He's not as to Ted's earlier comment, they're not carrying their weight great. Mm-hmm. So you drop off that twenty pounds and say they they look less like the guy wearing shorts that's and flip flops and yeah. uh and and more like a real athlete. There you, you go. Know, more like a real athlete. There you go. So, Piper, let's talk about last night's track meet. So, uh, Kyle McClellan and I were at a high-end, very high-end dinner party with um, uh, with the brass of Union University last night. So, uh, we didn't get a, a huge opportunity to watch ball, but you did. did you watch, um, I went, we watched the end of it. Did you watch the end of it? I didn't watch the end. I, uh, I actually caught like the extended highlights this morning. So, okay. I feel like I'm, I'm conversant in the game. So, last night's game... Probably the matchup of the week in the NFL. It was uh, the Rams and the Vikings on Thursday night. It was a rare, good Thursday night game. And uh, the game did not disappoint in that there was a lot of scoring, a lot of passing. Um, A Rams offense that is really a Ferrari at this point. Um, Exquisite, uh, I think was the word that you used, Piper. Really unbelievable offense. A lot of passing. Um, Last night's game was really, I I think, a a mile marker in terms of where the NFL is at, where the NFL is going in terms of... Um, past games, and you know, I want to give you a minute to respond to it. But as a Minnesota fan, you know, after that, the huge investment that you made in the off season, you're now at uh, what's your record? One, two, and one. Um, one, two, and one. Yeah. Where are you at emotionally with that at this point? Um. Well, I didn't expect the Vikings to be as good as they were last year, record wise. I think last year they were thirteen and three. I I expected this year to be like an eleven and five kind of season. Um, they have a they're playing a, a first place schedule yep. and there's some some really good teams on that schedule going on the road on a short week to Los Angeles to a team that was good last year and has shown themselves to be dramatically better this year. Yeah. I you know, I didn't expect them to win last night. I thought they would have a chance, but you know, when you sit down at the beginning of the season and look at the schedule, you're like that's probably a loss. You know, yes. that's yeah. It's a short week, tough team. The yeah. loss to the Bills was that was a kick in the nuts because because the Bills stink and the Vikings just yeah. they they were looking at Thursday's game they didn't even show up for that one so yeah I'm sort of at a I'm at a place now where the the thing that I'm I'm trying to figure out is do they have a good defense you know like yeah. they they were supposed to have a top you know four or five defense in the league and thus far they've looked like a probably a bottom ten defense in terms of the way people are just lighting me gold Green Bay did. Buffalo moved on them. Granted, they were on a. Sh- Buffalo started on the Vikings forty as their average starting position. So there was a lot of yeah. things going on there. And then the Rams just lit them up like a Christmas tree. So I'm I'm a little concerned about the defense, but I still feel like eleven and five is in play. Or I guess it would be like eleven four and one or something like that. At sure, this point. sure. Yeah, I don't think you know what you have defensively yet. No, because that Rams well, team is and Everson Griffin was out, insane. and as, and as we've seen, you see in the league. 
When Khalil Mack goes to the Bears, they go from a solid defense to a potentially elite defense. Everson Griffin is not Khalil Mack, but he's probably a top 10 defensive end. And he's out yeah, he's with some good. pretty significant mental health issues. I mean, he had like a paranoia breakdown, which is pretty scary to read about. So all of a sudden, their defensive line rotation looks a lot uglier because because their best defensive lineman is not there. That's a problem, especially against a team like the Rams, who you have to put pressure on them because otherwise they do what they did last night, which is score every time they touch the ball. Now, do you feel better offensively about where you are? Because I, I, aside from that last possession, Cousins looked really good. And that defensive I, line that defensive line for the Rams should be illegal. Yeah, they're, they're incredible. You have two. You, 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 mean on, you mean on the first drive where they almost stole two handoffs? <laughs> that defensive yeah. line? That, yeah. the, the, one, the one that has two transcendent talents. Transcendent. Interior players, yeah, Who unbelievable. Just destroy. I mean, it's insane how how. Yeah, they're fun to watch. So, oh, yeah, they're they're, really they're like they're like the Bears. They're like old they're like the eighty five Bears. Bears. Yeah, they are yeah. They're defensively. Yeah. They're that good. They are. Yeah, they. So the things I feel good about on the Vikings are their new offensive coordinator, John DeFilippo, mm-hmm. is calling. He calls a really good game. I wish I wish they would stick to the run a little bit more, you know, just to set up play action and things like nobody in the league is a running team besides Jacksonville, which is why Ted has a, a deep, probably inappropriate love affair with Jacksonville. Dude, yeah, but, I, have a, uh, I have a Jacksonville Covenant Eyes guy, too, man. If yeah, I look I mean, at Doug Marone too long, I have to I have to have a phone call <laughs> and a cold shower. Exactly. Um, but, uh, oh, Doug Marone. So, oh. so but you, but you have to run the ball. You have to run the ball to set up play action, and the Vikings just quit, which means yeah. that it gives a team like the Rams a chance to just tee off. But DeFilippo's calls a great game. Uh, the Vikings receivers and quarterback look great. And, you know, Thielen and Diggs are filthy. They are. Um, they are. So all of that is good. Their offensive line has gotten the crap kicked out of them several times this year, um, which, again, again, last night is that – is that indicative of how bad they are, or is that defensive line just that good? It's probably a combination of the two. I'm much more concerned about the defense than the offense. I think the offensive line can patch things together. I think is only in his fourth game, so or he's going into his fifth game now. So uh, he's going to continue to figure things out, but the defense just looks bad. Again, that said, Sean McVay is a dark wizard with powerful magic when it comes to calling plays, and he just dude, he is. He just he just works stuff. He just creates things that nobody else can do, and it's. I mean, I just have my jaw on the floor watching the way that he put a decent Vikings defense in a position to look like just look like fools last night, over and over and over again. He's an insanely good play caller, dude. Pipe, remember when people thought Jared Goff sucked? Um, this is something we discussed. He was, discussed a, he was a bust eight games into his career. Oh yeah, eight games into his career. Jared Goff is the worst. He's a bust, and now he's the, you know, he's the driver of this uh, exquisite Ferrari of an offense. And I, I think you and I have alluded to this on the program, but I think if I were redrafting my fantasy team, I would draft, um, I, I would draft great coaching staffs. You know, I would draft coordinators. Um, I would populate my team with guys who are on these. Um, progressive Ferrari type offenses with with talented coordinators, and uh, instead of drafting stars, you know, which is how we tend to do it. Yeah, it'd be like it would be all all uh, Chiefs, Rams, Vikings, yeah, um, Chargers, 
Yeah. I don't know who else. That, that's kind of the, the whole list. I guess Eagles, maybe. Uh, no, I, w- I would definitely put the Eagles on that list, for sure. I guess it's hard to judge the Eagles because Wentz just came back. But. Dude, my concern with all this pipe is that, and this is me being curmudgeonly in an old man. Oh, I this love is my favorite version of Ted. I love the running game. I love fullbacks. I love Dalvin Cook in theory. Like I like, I like the idea of watching Dalvin Cook play. But if he's in an offense where Kirk Cousins is dropping back fifty times a game and and he's he's running the ball only from time to time, it's it's not going to work as as Kyle said, but. Um, it turns the game into something that I don't want it to be. And, um, you know, the, the NFL is looking to me frighteningly like the Big 12 in that, like, I feel like I'm watching Oklahoma State uh, against Texas Tech when, uh, well, so when I'm watching of that, a lot I mean, of these games. The Big 12 has garbage defenses, yeah. which is why they look like that. The NFL has garbage rules. Yeah, that's true. Because... It, it, when when I mean you watch players hesitate to hit other players, and that that completely tilts the game towards the offense. The offense is always playing downhill, because the defense can never they can never scare them, they can never injure, they bruise them, they can never do anything to sort of change the tenor of the game. Yeah, and that so I yeah I mean it's definitely becoming that way. And it, you know, you see it with the, all the Clay Matthews hits and all these, you know, these other plays. And I, I know we said we weren't going to get into it, but Dude, the, the defensive, the, the rules in favor of the offense are that's that's how a game like last night happens. Yeah. I think yeah. in large part. So, I so to I your think point, it's just that. To your point, we're all agreed that the Rams have this phenomenal defense, and it's been a long time since we've seen a defensive line that good. And not to take anything away from the Vikings, but this transcendent defensive line gave up 31 points mm-hmm. at home. Yeah, I think the I think the era of the dominant defense is over. Yeah, like I don't think you'll see another 85 Bears. You won't see another late 80s, early 90s Giants. You know, teams that were like they were holding you to seven to nine to ten points. I mean, just these dominant. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens, you know, you're not going to see another transcendent. We, and it's even like a shift that. from last year where, like, the Eagles had a really good defense and the Vikings had a really good defense. And, you know, there's a handful of other teams that were that were pretty exceptional. And it, that has all gone away. I mean, it's yeah. this year you don't see good defenses. You just see some trash offenses like, you know, Dallas, for example, who's yeah. still running the same offense they ran in 1992 or something like that, except without Emmitt Smith and Troy Aikman. Dude, they're, they're just throwing darts at a board. You know, they're just calling plays. Where, whereas I think what you saw last night was intentionality in terms of play calling and scheme and um, and what good good coordinators and good teams do. Um, Piper, let's let's talk about Minnesota. Let's keep it here. Um, but let's talk about another thing that has to frustrate you, um, and that is this conflict between Jimmy Butler, uh, a, a star, an NBA star for whom the Timberwolves traded last year, and uh, Tom Thibodeau. Now uh, Jimmy Butler wants out of Minnesota already. What uh, what do you have to say about that? Um, so a little history on this. Yeah. Uh, when when the Timberwolves signed Tibbs to be coach. I was convinced it was a great move because yeah. they'd had terrible coaches, and I was like, this guy has a history of success. Every Chicago fan warned me that I was wrong. This mm-hmm. is not a good move. He's going to grind the, your franchise into powder. Yeah. Um, I didn't listen. 
And so to all the Chicago fans who are listening, I would like to say you were right uh-huh. and I was wrong. Yeah. Uh, because Tibbs has ground the franchise into powder. Yeah. Yeah. Then they traded for Jimmy Butler, and it was it was before Tibbs had gone and turned the entire team into the Timberwolves. Yeah. And it was so it was, you know, best player that they have acquired since Kevin Garnett. Yeah. Like bar none. Yeah. And and I was really excited because the, the stuff they gave up was, you know, promising but not great. Yeah. One season, the Timberwolves are the number three seed about three quarters of the way through the season. And then Jimmy Hurt gets hurt and they fall to, you know, I think they were the eighth seed. And they, they had to win in the last game of the season to get in. But, yeah. I mean, that's all of that adds up to that's a that's a really good move. But throughout the entire uh, throughout the entire season, you heard rumors that people weren't getting along. You could tell that they weren't happy. They weren't. It wasn't like watching Houston or Golden State or Boston where these teams played together. Yeah. It was it was just some individual talents who were good enough to make some things happen. Yeah. And and then this offseason it just blew up and I think it's mostly because of contracts. Yeah. The the Wolves wouldn't offer Jimmy a max. They did pay uh Carl Anthony Towns the max, so five years, hundred and ninety million. Mm-hmm. They gave Andrew Wiggins the max and he didn't deserve it. And and my understanding, apparently, is that Kat said, I'll sign the max if you promise to get rid of Butler. Yeah. So, so it was essentially a leverage play. And then Tibbs is just the worst locker room coach ever. He just he's he's garbage as a locker room coach. You know, like, dude, Popovich has a reputation as being, like, cur- curmudgeonly. Yeah. But, the, you know, his players play there, and they play hard, and they listen to him. Nobody likes Tom Thibodeau. And so he's just taking a situation that's already problematic and making it a hundred times worse by being a, just the world's biggest. I don't know. I'm going to stop there before I get myself in trouble. Dude, yeah, stop he's an, there. He's an awful coach. I want to yeah. lay an NBA theory on you. And I, I think I, I will be fascinated to see the first team to do this. I think the NBA is moving into a post-coaching environment. I, I just think coaching doesn't matter in the NBA. I think... It's impossible to coach somebody who makes $40 million more than you do. Um, that just, it creates an untenable dynamic where, you know, there are only two or three coaches in the NBA now who move the needle. And I think the rest of them are just interchangeable non entities. Um, Piper, do you, do you think there will come a time where we see maybe an NBA team that's impeccably general managed and self coached? Um, in that they, they will have people who travel with them and, you know, make sure they get from point A to point B on time, but essentially they'll coach themselves. I don't think so because so much of coaching is awareness of flow of the game. You know, what mm-hmm. needs to happen to alter because basketball is a, is a game of runs, you know, every, it's yeah. very rarely do you see just trading buckets. It's usually eight points and then 12 points for the other team and back and forth. So that's where coaching comes in is, is all the adjustments to what the other team is doing. And players can't do that because they can only focus on setting the pick and rolling to the hoop and guarding their man and making a switch and whatever else. And so there is there is a lot of scheme to it. I think it is definitely changing to a little bit more of the, kind of like you see in the corporate world, what they call a flat structure. So instead of the, you know, the Red Auerbach, who's it's like my way or the highway kind of thing, it's the Steve One of the Kerr great thing. cigar smokers in sports, by the way. Yeah, I mean, classic. And he would light them up on the court when they were winning. I love that. Um, but you get like the Steve Kerr model, which is he's the coach, but 
Kevin Durant's opinion and mm-hmm. Steph Curry's opinion and Clay Thompson's opinion and Draymond Curry's Curry, I'm sorry, Draymond Draymond Green's opinion all matter. And he's sort of weaving it's so it's personality management along with the ability to make in-game adjustments. I think you see the same thing with Brad Stevens. Like he's the opposite of heavy-handed. Yeah, he's a yeah. he's like an, an alongside you coach. But and so it's about building trust as yep. opposed to having authority. Yeah, most definitely. I think that's a that's a really true statement, and it is you know in its own way kind of a paradigm shift. Uh, and for, nobody trusts Tom Thibodeau, so that's why the yeah. Timberwolves are bad. Yeah, Tibbs, rest in peace, Tibbs. It's uh. You know, T- Tibbs is a holdover from an old era, I think, um, and I'm not sure it's going to work into the future. One, one he's, thing he's going to get he's going to get fired uh, either during the season or just after the season. It's going to happen. And Dude, here's one of my be, favorite. It might be his last head coaching gig because he's yeah. just he has not made a single adjustment since like 2006. One of my favorite NBA things is how like you'll get a week and a half into the season and somebody gets fired. Like their triggers are so fast on these head coaches, where like if if they start like zero and four, he's gone, you know. Um, which which would never happen in football. I mean, you could just never implement somebody else's brand new program, you know, in midstream in that way. But um, but yeah, and, I, and I, that that I, speaks to what you were talking about, sort of the end of the coach, because it is about trust. Because if you if you bring in a new coach who's running more or less the same system, but the players like him, yeah. you'll see him go on like an eight and two run or something like that. Because all of a sudden they're like, Oh, we're, we like playing for this guy. We're going to try harder. We're more invested. Right. Which yeah, it's not at all like that. The, in football. There was a, there was a great video that was going around on social media. So I know Ted didn't see it. Yeah. But it was, <laughs> it was a clip of, it was maybe two or three minutes long. It was an in-game clip of the conversations between Steve Kerr and Steph Curry. Interesting. And you, I was stunned at how overwhelmingly positive Steve Kerr was. Mm. And Steph was having a rough night, but he's, you know, he's, he's looking at stats and he's like, mm-hmm. look, when you're in the game, this happens. Right. Nobody else in the game brings this. Interesting. Nobody else does this. So even though Steph's having an awful night. Yeah. By Steph's standards. Yeah. Steve Kerr was so tremendously, and I hate to say the word encouraging because no, it has no. kind of a false. Yeah, it has kind of a soft connotation. Yeah, because if you're an athlete, it's like screw encouraging. I don't need encouraging. I just need yeah. to go out and. It and, is nice though. Yeah, I need to go out and suck less, dude. It's nice to be uh, treated with respect there though, as an athlete. It is. And, uh, it is, and I, he does. Yeah, and, and so it was. It was really intriguing to watch instead of. Hey, why don't you get your head out of your? You know what? You're having a horrible night. What's yeah. going on here? Yeah. Yeah. Instead, you've got Steve Kerr mm-hmm. constantly encouraging, constantly pointing out the ways that Steph changes the game just because he's in it. Yeah, it's a good model, man. Yeah, it's a good it's, model. It's a, it's a re- and Brad and for those of us is who, much the same way. Yeah, for those of us who coach kids, even like running a journalism program at a college, I know you can't draw a straight line between the two, but I think there's a lot of parallel between how you know young writers work and young athletes work and, and just that model of coming alongside, encouraging um, I do think it works better. Let's uh, let's talk about a player, Piper, here at the end, uh, who does not feel especially encouraged uh, by his situation, and that ties in nicely to a recurring segment that we do on the sports program, which is um, a dumb Titans thing. So, as you and I have discussed ad nauseum, um, from a marketing standpoint, the Titans are a disaster. From a uh, uniform standpoint, the Titans are unwatchable, and and also from a 
Um, just their product. A quarterbacking standpoint, a running back standpoint, just generally all things Titans is pretty unwatchable. Yeah, the product on the field has been deeply unwatchable. So this week, uh, a Titans receiver named Rashard Matthews uh, indicated that he wanted to be traded. He wanted out of Tennessee because he wasn't getting enough targets. And, um, you know, this is the self-same Rashard Matthews who was uh, playing with Blaine Gabbert as his quarterback and uh, who, who... was on the losing end of a nine to six uh, shootout with uh, with my Jacksonville Jaguars. It was a, a high scoring baseball game, dude. Yeah, it was incredible. Just a just a, a shootout there in uh, in Jacksonville. But um, what do you what do you make of this, Piper? Rashard Matthews, maybe the sort of lowest end receiver ever acting like a high end receiver and asking for a trade. This is I I, I, I kind of was, admire the balls on this kid to be honest. Wasn't he their leading receiver last year? Granted that was like fifty two catches for six hundred yards or something like that. But yeah. he's been a productive receiver for them, you know, uh for two or three years now. But here's the thing. He signed a contract extension for zero guaranteed dollars. So yeah. it was all kind of up to the team and they can cut him at no cost. I mean so it's I don't know why that that was his first mistake. So he asked to be traded or wanted more targets, and they're like, you know, what? we're going to cut you, and it's not going to cost us anything. Yeah. And uh, you know, he he had been signed by the, I think the previous regime because they've got new GM and new coach in recent years, and so yeah, I just it I just sort of chuckled at it. It's just it's indicative of how NFL teams and players like the teams hold all the control. The players yeah. have none. Except for quarterbacks. Quarterbacks have some leverage. Everybody else just, I mean, look at the Steelers and Le'Veon Bell. Like, they're just like, no, we're just, you know, we, we made you this, we made you this uh, franchise tender and you're not going to sign it. So, you see ya, bye. Yeah. Yeah. And he's probably the best running back in the league. And so for Rashard Matthews, I almost said yeah. Rashard Lewis. That's a former basketball player. Exactly. Um, plays in the big three now. Yep. Um, for him to do it, it's just there. He's completely disposable, but yeah. he's probably going to go lead the Patriots in receiving for the rest of the season. Dude, exactly. And in in our business, the equivalent would be like you're an author. You've only ever sold like three thousand copies of a book, and um, you know you you bluster into the publisher's office making demands about what you want and need. And um, they would tell yeah. And on, you, on your next book, you're like, no, I want a fifty thousand dollar. Exactly. I deserve like, this. You know what? You can go self publish. That's just fine. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Piper, this has been uh, this has been a good episode, man. This has been a lot of fun. I've uh, I've managed to get through it without saying anything disparaging about Kirk Cousins, even though we talked about the Vikings. So um, I feel like that's a I, win. I very intentionally didn't mention his name. If you'll notice that when we were talking Dude, about the Vikings, I said the re- yeah. I said the receivers and quarterback look good. I put yeah. it together as a unit. I yeah. praised the offensive coordinator, and I didn't. You know, one more temptation Ted didn't need. You already have your Doug Marone struggles. Dude, you right. already have yeah, you already have your you know, your running back struggles. I didn't need to put one more thing. Thank in you front so of much, you. man. That's that's good friendship right there. That's what it should look like. And uh yeah, let's just covenant as a program to keep doing you're doing the program in community. Yeah, yeah we're doing it in community, yeah. side by side. Let's just yeah. keep Kirk Cousins' name out of our mouths for the rest of the season. So um as a program, we can we can figure out elegant ways to talk around uh, that name and uh, and that will that will serve me and, and serve the audience. We can just well. we can follow the LeBron James model when he was you know he and Kyrie Irving were at odds. He just always called him the kid. 
The kid. So he named every other player on the team. He's like, you know, Richard Jefferson this, and Channing Fry that, and Kevin Love this, and the kid. Yeah. The and kid. so it was like this this passive-aggressive disparagement. I feel like we mm-hmm. can come up with something like that I think for, we can. Uh, for he who shall not be named at quarterback. I think we can. Let's, uh, let's think that through before the next sports app. I want to thank uh, the great Kyle McClellan, uh, Taylor football legend, pastoral legend in Nebraska, and uh, father of one of my favorite students now at Union University. Thank you, Kyle, for being on the program. This was uh, a pleasure Thank you for to having have you me. in the studio. Glad, glad to be here. Glad and to see how the magic is made. Glad to see how the magic is made. A little peek behind is the Is it curtain. everything you hoped it would be? Well, I brought bacon, Barnabas, when I yeah. came, so it's all you know. It's all good. <laughs> I, I feel like maybe we're not getting Ted's best effort because he is a little a little drowsy. From, yeah, I'm a little uh, drowsy from all the uh, all the biscuits and gravy and bacon, but uh, yeah. you know, be that as it may, we uh, we did some good radio today, and and Kyle actually came to the table with our sign off name. So, um, ooh, strong. Yeah, very strong. This is a, a very much a journeyman baseball player. So, Piper, you and I are uh, are fans of journeyman and and kind of lower tier uh, names from the world of professional sports. So I will sign us off. We have wandered to and fro uh, throughout this episode of Happy Rant Sports. And until next time, buddy, bien calana. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Hey there, it's Nicole Eunice from the How to Study the Bible podcast, and I'd love to invite you to join us as we weekly discover a passage of God's Word together. From beginning to end, from principles to practicals, we are here to make sure that God's Word is powerful and relevant to your life. If that sounds like something you're looking for, I would love to invite you to subscribe. You can go to lifeaudio.com and search How to Study the Bible, and we'll see you there.